Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales. We believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We've included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Sam Raspberry about her poetry. After today, you will have heard about writing love letters to her family and friends, starting with journaling her poems, struggles of self-publishing print-on-demand companies, the emotions involved in writing, the similarities between plotting fiction and poetry, and her advice that you should do it. From Soil to Sun and Back Again The seed, when sprouting, sees only darkness. It grows blindly through the soil, the promise of light guiding its very existence. Our author is a fan of two things in life, condiments and a really great, though painstakingly thought out at times, long-winded metaphor. Armed with restaurant ranch dressing, could I get extra sauce? And the smooth writing clicky pen, she continued her journey to the core of her being, disguised in, you guessed it, metaphors for plant growth. We all have our growing season, sure, but what about the time spent nestled away from the world pursuing our most evolved selves? What of the growing pains? The root rot, the two small pots. Read along through all her life cycles, so far, from a sapling, back to a seed, to bloom, to wither, to revive herself, and grow from soil to sun and back again. So you <laughs> just uploaded your first book, and then what did you do to, like, did you promote it at all, or what did you do once it was out there? I hopped on my um, incredibly unused Facebook page and just kind of came up like, a, what's that groundhog's name? that tells us whether or not it's going to stay cold. Anyway. I don't know. For the, <laughs> anyway, I just popped up and I was like, here's a book. <laughs> and just posted about it. And I think people were like, oh my God. <laughs> I haven't seen you in ages. You're alive. <laughs> and you have a book. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I think I, I remember texting my mom after the first um, like report came for the first month of sales and stuff. And I was like, mom, I made my first hundred dollars off my book. And she was like, you're internationally famous. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's all I did. It was mostly just about like, just the act of believing in myself enough. Yeah. To put it out there. And then to have people see it mm -hmm. and see me because in that book, I mean, like I, I delve into, you know, how difficult it can be being a human and how mm -hmm. deep and dark you can sometimes get in your feels and, 
and and whether or not you want to stick around and like so it gets pretty heavy and it was really unnerving to share that with Mm -hmm. everyone because you know you're also used to people being like well what do you have to be Mm -hmm. you know depressed for like what what do you and so it was kind of nerve-wracking but it was also really invigorating whenever people came back and were like oh my gosh I feel that like that Mm -hmm. resonated so much this a big one is one that's on imposter syndrome and fear Mm -hmm. and um called it's a syndrome and so many people have messaged me and been like oh that one on imposter syndrome caught me and I'm like yeah dude I know I know because we all we've all been there and and you can feel like an imposter for any number of reasons so Mm -hmm. it all started to feel that helped too whenever people gave me the feedback like I can't wait to read more of your writing and I'm like oh there's there's there more. Be, there has to be more. <laughs> You're not, are you not satisfied? <laughs> That's, I'm so, at that now. In fact, right before we hopped on here, one of my readers was like, there's going to be more, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> my my book is in the ARC reader stage. So people who get, uh, I did e-ARC, so like ebook versions of the book. Um, and pretty much universally from everyone that I've heard from it was I couldn't put it down and like all these things that you're like I didn't know that that's what I needed to hear but like that's just what yes. I needed to hear to like keep going because yes. like who doesn't want you know there's the other side of that where it was like dear god I felt like I was just dragging to finish this stupid book yes like you want to be the book that um, yesterday, two of my readers were talking about their husbands were like, hey, it's like way past bedtime. When are you going to be done with that? <laughs> like, that's what you and and arguably arguably. And I know the first like six chapters are very like it's it's at Christmas time. So it's very like nostalgic. And she's like sifting through Christmas ornaments at her parents' house and helping her mom decorate. It's also my first book that I've ever put out there. So it's a little bit slow. One, it's setting up the story and the backstory of the characters. Right, right, exposition and all. Without being info dumpy because it's like half takes place in our world. I didn't need to info dump the first several chapters that take place in our world. You know how our world operates. Right. Um, So you get a little bit of like the Christmas nostalgia and setting up the Christmas stuff and how she loves going to her parents' house and helping them decorate for Christmas. And then you go over into the fantasy world and it's not like a super fantasy world where it's like, and there's purple mountains and yellow trees. (laughs) And it's not like that. It's just like, there's a prison world and it could look like our world, but there's like this weird castle underneath a mountain picture like Lord of the Rings or like, (laughs) so I don't go into like crazy detail. There is no like giant info dumping. Like at one point it's like, well, how do we make this happen? It's like, well, you got to have like, it's got to be a magic potion because there's no other way that we could make this happen without it being a magic potion. (laughs) So I love how the creative brain works logically. It would be magic. (laughs) Well, it's like, you know, he he can't have just magically healed from his wound to suddenly be there unless there's a magic potion. But like, right. why would why would he not have just used the magic? And this is me talking with one of my beta readers. I'm like, well, why wouldn't he have just used the magic potion when he got hurt? And it's like, well, there has to have been some like 
you know, there's some Something reason why to, you yeah. wouldn't have done it. So then it's like, okay, so what would be a good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind of how my, it's very like, because that's how my brain works, it's very logical. So like everything within my world is, it had to be there for a reason to make it make sense without yeah. it being like, you know, so, I mean, that's as simple as, well, there's, you know, a price for magic. Like that, that is the explanation. There's no like big, long, well, 5,000 years ago when this world was created. <laughs> like... <laughs> she says, why didn't you just take the magic potion earlier? And he replies, because there's a price for using magic. That is the end of the info dump on the magic. Period. Until later when the price comes due. Like, <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I know the first few chapters of the book are a little bit slower because you are setting up the whole like basis of the series and then it picks up and there's war and battles and beheadings and like all kinds of stuff oh, all the war faster. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i don't remember what any of the point of me saying any of that was but <laughs> struck again oh readers liking your stories that's what oh, it was yes, readers yes. readers liking the stories so I am just glad, like, for mine, I'm like, just, I couldn't put it down. I had to keep reading it. I've had one that was like, um, I don't usually read fantasy books, but, like, I couldn't, you know, couldn't stop. Um, one was like, I don't ever read books that aren't, like, spice all throughout. And mine is, like, super slow burn, like, last three chapters spice nice. situation. And so I'm like, if you can hook readers like that, regardless of, you know, any negative reviews that may come later on, it's like, if I can hook readers that don't usually read this type of book yeah I did my job <laughs> exactly I understand that so much I last night um one of my uh friends through streaming messaged me and had got had bought my first book because mm -hmm. we were talking about my second book coming out and he went ahead and bought the first one and um texted me last or messaged me last night and was like 10 poems in Oh my God, I have never gotten goosebumps from reading the way I am getting goosebumps from your work. This is absolutely beautiful. And I was like, <laughs> like I'm going to go cry in the corner now. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it's like, I can read over my work. I know that I've done it mm -hmm. because I mean, and I'm, I'm a very emotional person anyway. Like uh -huh. I, I, crying is my like pressure release valve. So it just uh -huh. happens. But whenever I can read through it and then get to the very last line and read the last line and then I start to cry, uh -huh. I know that I've done it. Like I know I'm like, okay, we're, we're there. We're there. And I yeah. just let it cook a little bit longer and then <laughs> release it to the public. So that's what happened with the first one. And then whenever it happened again with the second one, and it took longer with the second one for me to hit that point whenever I felt like, oh yeah, you're good. Cause mm -hmm. I had the first one and the feelings that came with the first one that my brain was constantly comparing right. this to. So I was like waiting and waiting and waiting. And whenever it finally happened, I was like, okay, I still got it. Okay. okay. <laughs> it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> See, I like, so I start writing this book and I send the first, like, I think two chapters to a couple authors I had narrated for and then my best friend. And I'm like, I just need you guys to tell me, like, 
is this good or is this like I should just stick to narrating and not try to write? And unanimously it was, oh, my God, this is good. Please continue this story. So even with the first few chapters being slower, um, and I say slower, like stuff still happens. It's just not as fast paced right, as the right. rest You're of the building. book. You're building, yeah. So like. You know, they were unanimously like, absolutely, keep writing. Like, absolutely. <laughs> so, Even just with a little taste. Yeah, that's a good yeah. feeling. That's a good yeah. feeling. So, and then my best friend was my alpha reader. So she read that and then I would keep sending her chapters. And I'm like, my prompt for her was just like, just tell me if it flows like a normal story. Does it come up to a climax and then drop back down like a story? It's about, and even with poems, I'm sure you want that same. Yeah, like I was going to say that. I was going to say that whenever I didn't realize how similar um, the process is, but I did the same thing with the poems, especially with this book. I wanted there to be with the first. I'll finish the sentence. Don't you worry about it. The first book, I I was kind of throwing everything in there that felt like. Well, these are all the plights and all the highs and the lows of being a person, mm-hmm. being a spiritual being that's being, having a person, like a human experience with from soil to sun. I wanted there to be a story. I mm-hmm. wanted it to read like a story almost. And you could see that, you know, you're on the same, you're focusing on the same subject, the seedling and that goes throughout and you see this seedling seedling go through growing up in a forest and then there has to be a moment where you leave that forest so what Mm -hmm. happens to leave that forest well I know because I'm basing it off of my life so that was pretty easy and but then it was like how to weave these other parts of my life into it Mm -hmm. without it being like and then I did this and then I did this and then I did this (laughs) you know you want it to be like next and then after that (laughs) yeah yeah and so I I wanted it to flow like okay here's some here's some conflict that I had to deal with but here's how I sort of got through that and then here's some more conflict that I dealt with and then here's how I got through that because I Mm -hmm. learned from the first thing and you know then it ends with this like reclamation of like my space and 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 the space that I've put down roots and and the nature around me and so it was like okay how do I get from here this happy little seedling in a little forest to this you know field of wildflowers that only exists because the seedling had to go through a a immense amount of you know Mm -hmm. trials to get here like how do I connect A to B. So that really, your process really resonated. Cause I was like, oh yeah, that's how I, cause there would be holes. I was like, okay, well I've got like, like I said, I started with like 10 or 15 poems and mm-hmm. I wanted to get up to about 30. And okay. so I was like, okay, well here, here are the main, the high points that I have. What poems can I write around what subjects? Mm-hmm. And so then I had to ask myself like, okay, well, what does a plant go through? Like, okay, well you can have root rot you could bugs bugs you could get overtaken by ivy that looks really pretty but then it suffocates you and you die and mm-hmm. like you lack you know, of you, water lack of water you can get overwatered. You <laughs> yeah. can, yes exactly so like it was okay well how can I relate and then my brain is constantly the, the tism is always making connections and I love just going and sitting oh, yeah. I am great at analogies yes like, yeah, it's just yeah. Like, yeah. analogies and metaphors that's my jam. That's now, my I have jam. had the occasional 
there was, I don't even remember what the religious analogy was, but someone said, it's like, they were like talking about something and I was like, oh, it's like, it was a completely inappropriate and I don't even remember what it was, <laughs> but I was like, oh, it's kind of like da, 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 da. And first, both people that were at the table with me were like, no, it's not. Wait a second. Wait a minute. You're right. <laughs> yes. I'm, yes. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's a it's a longer reach, but it's not actually a reach. It's yeah. just your brain being like, well, here's a thing that it's alike. So yeah. here's yeah. those those what the synapses that connect together in yes. our brains. <laughs> they came all the way from one lobe to another. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the same thing. And yeah. I'll, I, I'll be sitting out on my front porch and just like looking at the nature around me. We have a beautiful view and, um, you know, I'll see like little bees bobbing around and like, po- like, you know, purposely mm-hmm. pollinating and like, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of like my friends, how they pollinate me. And then, you know, and then like how I do this and da, 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 da. So like, yeah, it's, it's a constant like influx of information and then going, okay, well, where could I put that mm-hmm. in this timeline? Well, in mine, I added an extra complication, my entire, the first book, and I had to continue it going forward. Um, But when I, Last Christmas, I was like, oh, as one does listening to Christmas songs because it's Christmas time and you can't go anywhere without Christmas music playing. (laughs) So I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a book where all the chapters were based on Christmas songs? And so I'm like, how would one do that? And then like a month later, I'm like, I love fairy tale retellings and I love Beauty and the Beast is my favorite. Let's do that. And then my brain was like, let's combine those two ideas. <laughs> so then it was a f- several weeks of me listening to Pentatonix's entire Christmas catalog because it's massive. And I did that. And I, as I listened to each song, I knew I wanted to tell something that was fantasy based because that's my favorite. Right. And So as I listened to each song, I thought, what kind of fantasy world element could this song be about? Like, what could we use to tell this story? And so there's songs like um, when she's helping decorate her parents' house, Deck the Halls is one of the like the song used, one of the songs used for that. Um, Then as you get into battle scenes, there's like Little Drummer Boy is used for that as they're like about to go into battle. Then there's a song called White Winter Hymnal that's all about like they have scarves tied around their necks so that their heads don't fall off into the snow. And I'm like, great, there's going to be a really violent decapitation scene there. <laughs> so, like, I did, and I went through their Just entire... Christmas tings. <laughs> yeah. So I go through their entire catalog, and I have, like, all the names of the songs typed out, right, in the spreadsheet, because that was the easiest way to move the information around. And I type out, like, oh, this is the, like, plot point that that chapter, that song chapter could be about. And then if there was, like, duplicates, like, there's several songs about, like, decorating your house for Christmas. So, like, pick right. favorite, delete the other one. You don't need 20 chapters about decorating the house. <laughs> and then, like, that's that's how I worked my entire... And then I got them into an order of, you know, here's how a storyline should flow. And then I started... So my outline for my book is, like, these little, like, oh, deck the halls, decorating the house. Uh, there's a song called Evergreen where my, like outline point was like introduce female main character like that is the entirety of love life. that like, drummer boy starting the battle scene headless people one <laughs> <So, like, laughs> battle is hitting a climax like, 
all these things. And so, and I have a playlist on YouTube with all of these songs in order so that if you wanted to like listen along. So what I would do is I would start each new chapter. I would listen to that song and then I would get started, listen to the song, read what the plot point was supposed to be, and then go. Um, so yeah, so similar of the like trying to fit things into yeah. the thing because you're going, okay, so we probably shouldn't start the battle with heads falling in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, we should build to that. We should definitely build we need, to we that. We need to build, build there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, it's, it's interesting no matter what you're writing, whether you're doing like a memoir or, um, you know, poems or a fiction novel or business, even for that matter, like no matter what kind of book you're writing, you want it to follow like a, we're going to kind of build, 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 build. And then we're going to like, you know, get all those nice, like, here's how you apply that to real life things of the yeah. story or whatever. Um, I feel like that applies to pretty much anyone who's decent at writing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we're not, not going to say that every book follows some kind of a, a logical line, but it is what it is. So you have, when does book two come out? November 20th. Okay. So that'll be before this airs. Um, so this will be airing like early February, I think. Cool. Well, uh, that'll be whenever uh, I'm re-releasing Being Human with... A couple more poems, some revisions and illustrations, and a new cover. So fun! That will be coming out when this airs. <laughs> so, <laughs> your first book you kind of started twenty years prior with your Zanga <laughs> days. So twenty years to write the first one. How long did yep. it take you to write the second one? <laughs> <laughs> so because I had like filled up that whole journal in 2020 and then filled up another journal and then filled up half of another journal, I'd already kind of like had a whole bunch of them. Uh -huh. And so I'd say like I haphazardly started in 2020 accidentally. And okay. then <laughs> um, for about a month I sat behind my computer and stared at the blank screen which is <laughs> the blank page is so intimidating and I just I did the kind of a similar thing like okay well this poem and this poem should follow each other I have like probably a five poem break between this one and the next one I already have written so I need five poems in between here mm -hmm. that talk about this and then th this one talks about this and this one talks about this and so then I would just go through and I would read through everything that I had and then go in and fill in in the spaces where I felt like you know the un enough creativity coming up that it wasn't forced mm -hmm. but that I could also, you know, apply some, like I had to apply a little bit of effort, but it was mostly just like, which ones feel like they're going to flow out of me right now, because mm -hmm. I've read through this and I'm feeling inspired in, in this section. And so that took about a month flushing out the other, like half of the book mm -hmm. and just kind of putting those pieces in. And then another month and a half or two of going through and editing and being, trying to be gently critical of myself because I wanted to be critical enough that it was like 
okay, you know, let's, let's see where things could be better, where things mm-hmm. could flow better, where things could hit better. Mm-hmm. And, but also not look at it and go, everything is crap. <laughs> everything is crap. This is all awful. These words all suck. I hate them I, all. I feel like there is a time and a place for that sometimes. <laughs> right. Sometimes but... you gotta be cutthroat. Sometimes you gotta cut it out. I cut out entire stanzas because I was like, <clears throat> this no. isn't working at all. <laughs> it's gotta go. This no longer fits my narrative. Goodbye. And for the most part, I try to not, and there's, I've seen a bunch of authors talk about this, like on TikTok, where they're like, don't ever like delete like if you're going to take a scene out don't like delete delete it like take it and move it to another document because you might be able to use it in a future book well I'm like I don't if I delete delete something it's like that sentence was stupid and so I delete the sentence so that I can like make it better um but I rarely like actually delete giant chunks from my writing I'm usually like adding to it like oh this whole scene is mostly just dialogue let's just add a bunch of internal dialogue in between like oh this would be a good place for her to be thinking about her life choices like (laughs) (laughs) one would be really questioning themselves right now so what would i what would i be thinking in my head if he had just said that to me like (laughs) right one of my i i will send my book out and it's like just grammatically edited mm-hmm. stage and let my friends read it. But I'm really working on the rejection sensitivity. <laughs> and so it's difficult still for my friends to say like, I love this, but I feel like it would flow better if you changed this word to this. Mm-hmm. And my immediate, my like in my brain, the little obstinate goblin in my head is like, no. no! And you're not my friend anymore. <laughs> now I did. There was a magically transporting phone. That is probably the biggest change that I've made. What happened was <laughs> she gets home back to her house from her parents. And originally she just dropped her purse on the couch and went to bed when she got home. And then we added in later where there's these like text conversations between her and her sister-in-laws and her best friend. They're all like friends or whatever. And so to add in one of those text conversations, I had to have her when she got home, she texted them from her phone and set it on the nightstand. Well, then the next time she's there, it was back on the the couch with the purse that I forgot to relocate when we added the text conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was narrating it, I'm like, that phone magically transported from (laughs) nightstand to purse on couch. I'm like, we need to fix that. (laughs) So whoever gets the first round of signed books that I have on in stock and waiting currently from Ingram um, will have the magically transporting phone. <laughs> anyone, Limited edition. Anyone in the future will have the phone is in one place. <laughs> I'm like, it is what, a fun what it little is. Easter egg. Like, <laughs> there's an author that is on TikTok, and when she was formatting her first book. She accidentally in the top of, you know, typically the top of the page, it'll say like the name of the book. Right. And so hers, for some reason, her formatting software, it was something, 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 copy, copy. (laughs) And that accidentally ended up being the version. And she had readers getting their paperback books and they're like, copy, copy. (laughs) So so then she released with the next one she did for like five days. She let it have copy, copy. So it was like, you get these special versions. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like, that's exactly what I was trying to do. That is totally what I was trying to do. <laughs> like, oops. What happened was it's there's a fantasy chapter in between those two. So it wasn't like end of one chapter on nightstand, beginning of the next. It suddenly it was like end of one chapter on the nightstand. Now she's woken up in the fantasy world for a whole chapter and now it's on the couch. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what really should have happened is I should have written like all the contemporary chapters at one time and then all the fantasy chapters at one time and then put them all together. Right. So but your continuity would, was already there. But that would have made for a really weird writing thing where you're constantly like what's happened how is she injured like where's that chapter gonna go (laughs) right exactly yeah that would be difficult yeah so I'm debating writing it that way for the final book but I'm like maybe not (laughs) maybe maybe not maybe we'll like write it in order and then like paste chapters into separate documents yeah um so that you get more of an even flow of the story. I, I don't know. And at one point <laughs> I realized there's like these journal entries throughout. And because I went back in and added these journal entries after, um, some of them were out of order. <laughs> so it was like, wait, that can't have happened before that happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> She's psychic. That's that's the other magic thing. <laughs> yeah, something, something. I don't know. I realized that when I was pasting my, because I'm thinking about doing my journal entries as like a freebie for my newsletter. Oh, cool. So I had like pasted all the n- journal entries into like a separate thing. And then I was like, wait, these are all weird. <laughs> I'm like, these aren't in order. <laughs> anyway, so you have book two is about to come out. We'll be out by the time this airs. Do you have any plans for a third or... What are we doing next? I do. So the third book, tentatively, I will, okay, I haven't given myself a deadline on that one. I haven't wrestled with my ADHD yet. So me and my ADHD think it should be out (laughs) by summer of 2024. But um, like I said earlier, like I'm just a big bundle of love. I'm a giant care bear. And I, my books so far are kind of just about, um, thriving in life, even with everything else, Mm -hmm. like learning to thrive and learning to be present, but then also allowing yourself, you know, the time to be, um, reclusive or whenever you have to kind of take everything back down to the roots and, Mm -hmm. and, and chill there for a while, but through all of that, still having an open enough heart to where you can still like love really big and, and, mm-hmm. and, and love the way that you are, are, you know, each person is built to love. I'm built to love a lot. And so I think the next one is going to just be, um, kind of almost like a collection of like those love letters I mentioned, just mm-hmm. sort of, uh, an homage to all of the ways that I, I keep an open heart and, and how much I love with this heart. And mm-hmm. even though it's battered and bruised and, all of these things, like even though love has been something that has ended up being incredibly painful, mm-hmm. it's still something that I'm willing to partake in because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> sign me up. I love <laughs> it. I love it. And so I, I think it's, it's going to kind of all center around just my big open heart and the way that it operates. So just a, a collection of love letters. 
So maybe tentatively next summer, but maybe not. (laughs) Yes, maybe, maybe not. It could be an entirely different thing. I have a whole book uh, already laid out called It's All Relative. That's just poems about people I'm related to. And I'm just not sure if it'll ever see the light of day or if it'll be under an entirely new pen name. And if it is, well, I wouldn't tell you right now. Right. It's not associated with me at all. Um, but yes, I, yes, tentatively uh, love poems, summer 2024. And in between now and then, I'm I'm being an author and planning book tours and and going to different cities near you to <laughs> offer book live book readings. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm doing the things and I'm believing in myself and I'm putting myself out there all for young Sam, who's been just scribbling away poems and misspelled love Oz, letters. Oz and Oz. <laughs> I, I love a Yua. <laughs> you totally should do that. Just, just for the inside jokeness of it. <laughs> And this one's to my mom. <laughs> I love her, you well. Voila, voila. Oh, gosh. Well, the last thing I like to ask is what is the best piece of writing advice you've ever gotten and the worst piece of writing advice you've ever oh. gotten? Any order you want to answer those is fine. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, man. Well, I know there's a lot. I know. Right. <laughs> I know we always I, get a lot. I think the best was, has just been, and maybe it's, it's all just through the, you know, maybe it's the best because it's all validation, mm-hmm. but, um, anytime someone reads any of my work and, and then they ask like, are you going to do more? And I go, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's always, you should. Mm-hmm. And that's the best writing advice I've got. You should, like, you just should. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Just put it out there. You should. And um, the worst, you know, I just I can't, I can't think of any anything bad I've ever. I've gotten well. I got really terrible feedback on a on an essay I wrote. Um, in my uh, senior year dual credit English class, Mm -hmm. um, I had written this essay and there was a lot of my emotion poured into it. And you you could tell that like, like it was a very emotional piece. And one of the girls that read it that was not in touch with her emotions and was not ready to be that in touch with her emotions was told me that she thought I needed to rein it back a little bit. And I was like, (laughs) well, that's, not good advice. I won't be taking it. And she marked up my, she marked up a lot of my page. And I was like, no, I, no, I won't be adhering to that. But yeah, every, everything else has always been like, I would like more. I would, you should do it. You should write more. Okay. In contrast, in college, I was in a creative writing class. We had to take one. 
And the professor I had taken other classes with, and so I knew, like, how she graded or whatever. So we're writing this creative writing class, and same thing. You would exchange with, I think we would work in, like, groups of three or four. Yeah. And you would swap papers, and then you would swap again or whatever. Um, And every single time, I didn't know this was going to happen, but the first time... I write my paper and it was like she was giving us like story prompt ideas for this particular paper. And so she gives us our story prompt of I don't I couldn't even tell you what it was, but some like this is your subject of your story, you know, write a short story. And so I write it and I exchange it with with my people and all of them came back with like nothing. They were like there's nothing wrong with it. We can't find anything wrong with it. And I'm like, "Well, okay, I'm the best writer in the world then." <laughs> And then I get it, you know, then it goes into the professor to grade and it comes back like marked up all in red and like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I go into her office and I'm like, they didn't give me any feedback. And so from then on, I had to I would participate in the group circle things and then I would have to go to her for her to do so I'd have to do basically it twice she had to be my like critique partner because the (laughs) students in the class were idiots (laughs) they're like uh I have a big people pleaser background I'm just gonna tell you you're doing great (laughs) yeah exactly and I'm like and of course they're getting papers back from me and I'm like this sucks and this sucks and this sucks (laughs) I'm like whatever But yeah, so um, just and that that's probably where my like need to I knew I needed to have an editor because I had that happen when I was, oh, God, 15 years ago. Um, And so like, I know that like, just because someone really, really likes your story does not mean they know the grammar rules and all of that. So um, I've seen authors say, oh, you know, just put your book out there. And as long as you're happy with it or one person likes it, that's okay. And I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I'm going to need more than one person to like my book for me to continue to write. Because yes. like, I I need that sense of validation for me to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. At, at this point, at least 10 people like it. So I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened after the first book. I, whenever everyone was like, oh my God, I love this. Or Sam, this is beautiful or holy crap, this poem and this poem and this poem. And my sister-in-law texted me. She was like, I am crying at football practice right now because her son <laughs> is at football practice. And I was like, yes, I made her cry. <laughs> like that's, that was all of that validation was what led me to this space now where I'm like, okay, uh, I am an author. I am an author. I'm an author and I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I'm going to, can somebody please read this and tell me it's pretty <laughs> Oh God. See, I'm like, I consider myself like somewhere between author and writer because technically like my book is up for pre-order and is with readers, but it's not officially published yet. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'm between until, on that cusp. <laughs> until November 24th when it goes live and then I'm an author. Yes, yes. I'm like, we're in between. And I'm in the meantime, um, messaging my beta, the one beta reader that helped me the most. <laughs> that reread everything for me. And I'm like, I'm allowed to like completely make everybody hate me because I ruined their emotions, right? And she's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, there may have been a person that died that just no one, no one knows the emotional roller coaster I'm gonna make you go through to see that person die a second time. <laughs> So, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm allowed to do that, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's as like, as much as we complain, we love it that way. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, I mean, she's like, I'll read anything that you put out at this point. And she's already vol- like, she's going to be an alpha reader for me this time, too, and a beta Yay. reader. And so, because um, I'm like, I need you um, to my my alpha reader that I had the first time is still going to be my alpha reader but she's more like a like yes this reads like a book because I read a ton of books where the other one's going to have more like critical feedback right right um right. and so I'm like for the first part like the first alpha reading I just need you to tell me what areas I need to like fill in more than I did because I'm an underwriter <laughs> so <laughs> I was like if something wasn't described enough or a character wasn't in there enough I don't see that that's a problem necessarily myself um so yeah so that is what that is what my alpha reader's job is tell me what characters aren't there enough (laughs) what relationships I need to like make better and then it goes on to the next group who tear it apart (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I have a couple of writer friends who I send things to to be like does this make sense Uh Or does this sound pretty or does this hit at all? Or am I laying some words down? And um, one of them is my cousin and she really helped me flesh out. There was one or there's one in from soil to sun called you are not the gardener you perceive yourself to be. Uh And it's a uh, clap back at one of my exes and, um, <laughs> and who so, shall and she, not be named. Right. And she was in my life, like a lot at the time that I was dating mm-hmm. this person. And so she saw a lot of my journey mm-hmm. coming back into myself so that I could leave them. And, um, I was like, you know, does this, is this hitting, does this make sense? If you didn't know, like, how does this read? And mm-hmm. she was like, I really love the cadence and everything about it, but you kind of jump from here to here real fast. And mm-hmm. I feel like you need like three to five more sentences right here. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm on it. And so I'm also <laughs> an underwriter because I'm like, okay, this and this and this, and this happened. Yeah. And, and then you sort of flesh it out around it and say, say the things so well, that now- it doesn't feel like you're neck was breaking (laughs) yeah well and now I it's weird so the so I wrote the novel the first novel which is coming out soon will be out by the time this airs and the next book I'm writing is a novella and so the novella takes place it's from the villain of book one's perspective during some of the events that take place during book one and so I'm able to like it's able to be a more fast-paced thing because you already know some of what they did you just want to see like what went into their decision making process why did they do that so right. that's all so I'm not having to do like the war scenes all over again you already read that in book one it's the you know why did they do that why did they send their people to go there what you know it's the why of right everything that happened um so I'm able to like jump in time and gloss over things a lot more because you already saw the battle happen right so. the exposition is built <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going to like bore you with like taking chunks and the people that are in the novella aren't even in the battle. Like they kind of watch from the sidelines and then like go hide. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to have to tell it from like a weird, I haven't actually gotten to the battle scene writing part, but I know that it's going to be like, they're going to be on the outskirts looking in and then they're going to leave. Yeah. 
So it's, I'm like, this will move a whole lot faster. Also, it is definitely not a slow burn. So <laughs> I'm like, nope, nope. I'm like, chapter one, there we go. <laughs> like, just, just get it out the way. Like, <laughs> this one's more like uh, Romeo and Juliet type love, whatever that is, like. I'm not supposed to be with that person because right. someone's telling me it's not her parents. That someone's telling love. me. Yeah. So it's a little more of that situation as opposed to the very slow burn that book one was. Every, okay. Okay. Every book's different. No matter what you're writing, you change from what you're using as your, you know, analogies in each book. So um, it's, where does the story need to take you to get your story done and follow your story arc and make everybody feel all the feels? Yes. Yes, that is the ultimate goal. Are you crying yet? <laughs> Were you on the edge of your seat? Did you have to stay up all night because you yes. couldn't put it down? These are the questions I need answered. <laughs> Well, I hope you have a good rest of your Saturday. I'm going to go pack. Actually, I need to hot glue things together so that I can pack PR boxes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Happy hot gluing. Don't burn your fingers too many times. I will do my best. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sam liked stories her grandmother told her as she got older. Today we'll be reading Aesop's fable, The Town Mouse and the Country Mouse. The Town Mouse and the Country Mouse. A town mouse once visited a relative who lived in the country. For lunch, the country mouse served wheat stalks, roots, and acorns with a dash of cold water for drink. The town mouse ate very sparingly, nibbling a little of this and a little of that, and by her manner making it very plain that she ate the simple food only to be polite. After the meal, the friends had a long talk. Or rather, the town mouse talked about her life in the city— while the country mouse listened. They then went to bed in a cozy nest in the hedgerow and slept in quiet and comfort until morning. In her sleep, the country mouse dreamed she was a town mouse, with all the luxuries and delights of city life that her friend had described for her. So the next day, when the town mouse asked the country mouse to go home with her to the city, she gladly said yes. When they reached the mansion in which the town mouse lived, they found on the table in the dining room the leavings of a very fine banquet. There were sweetmeats and jellies, pastries, delicious cheeses, indeed, the most tempting foods that a mouse can imagine. But just as the country mouse was about to nibble a dainty bit of pastry, she heard a cat mew loudly and scratch at the door. In great fear, the mice scurried to a hiding place where they lay quite still for a long time, hardly daring to breathe. When at last they ventured back to the feast, the door opened suddenly and in came the servants to clear the table, followed by the house dog. The country mouse stopped in the town mouse's den only long enough to pick up her carpet bag and umbrella. You may have luxuries and dainties that I have not, she said as she hurried away, but I prefer my plain food and simple life in the country with the peace and security that go with it. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Misty's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.